your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Premier gets the snap. Yes. Fuck it. It's loose. The football's rolling toward the goal line. It's at the five. It's going to be landed on at the one-yard line by the Huskers. Simon Odie lands on the football. Nebraska's going to have first and goal to one after blocking a punt. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. If I'm out of breath, uh, I apologize. Uh, at 5.30, the old snowplow went through the neighborhood street, so you know it dumps like a a mountain in front of your driveway. So I was down trying to get that loosened up before it freezes up. So I think I accomplished it, Ben McLaughlin. I feel, I feel really, I feel like I feel like I accomplished something by getting that done. The worst is when like. So like this is a perfect example a day like yesterday where i i've learned i'm i'm the type of person that i i would rather go out and blow like two or three times and make mm-hmm. it easier on myself as opposed to waiting until sure like this morning and just have a, a war on your hands uh the, the worst feeling is like today when i got done this morning Thinking you were all done. I'm like, it's done snowing. This is my third or fourth time being out here. Did the neighbors uh, for, the, for the lady next door. Did the sidewalks. You, you know, you, you, and you throw her in, and you're like, all right, you're all done. And then a couple hours later, you just see that snowplow drive by your, your house <laughs> and just completely ruin <laughs> uh, the bottom of your driveway. But I get it. Those guys, you know, put in a lot of work and it's a thankless job uh, to, to make sure the neighborhood streets are clear. But it, it's like that. Uh, it's like that old tug of war, right? You, you throw it in my driveway. I throw it back in the street. You throw it back <laughs> in my driveway. And now, Ben, you know, that's illegal. Point, the, 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 you the, can't shoot the, it in the street. Well, I'm not shooting it in the street. I'm just trying to clear clear it out, clear the path out. But it's like that that internal struggle of uh, you know, the the war that that goes on. But there, sooner or later, there's not a lot of places to put the snow. Uh, no, you get that much. Yeah, and, and that was the snow. You had to do it in shifts. You could not wait for that thing to end. If you waited till that thing ended, oh my goodness, you'll break your back trying to move all. In Lincoln's case, I think 14 inches. I think Omaha had a little over 10. Uh, if you have a little three or four incher, yeah, you wait till the storm's over and then you go get it all at once. But that that thing yesterday, that was multiple passes on that deal. So yeah, five thirty, I heard the plow. I'm like, good, good, the plow's here. And then I'm like, oh yeah, now the driveway's covered again at the base. And so I went out real quick before the show and got that done. Wanted to do it in the daylight, so I got that cranked out. So I feel accomplished. I feel like even though the show is only beginning, I feel like I've I've survived the day. Uh, but we're glad you're here with us tonight. we got a full show for you. Parker Gabriel, the Lincoln Journal star, going to be with us in a couple of minutes. He had uh, he was part of that Zoom on Friday with a head football coach. Talked about a lot of topics. They did not talk about Luke McCaffrey leaving the program. So we'll get Parker's take on that news from today. And then what are the things that he picked up uh, during the one-hour meeting with the head coach on Friday? Hour number two, it's our volleyball show for the week. Oscar's coming off of the sweep at Indiana getting ready for their home openers this weekend against North Northwestern Friday night, Saturday night at the Devaney Center. John Cook, John Bader will be here in hour number two to uh, take your phone calls, comments, questions about Husker Volleyball. Third hour, Top 10 Tuesday. We're going to have some fun this week. Our Top 10 list, Top 10 Things to Do in the Snow. 
Uh, so we'll have some fun with that coming up in the third hour. And we're also going to play you a snippet of our latest Husker Sports Properties production. It's going to be uh, sit down with Bill Moose, the Husker Athletic Director, to talk about the winding road of getting college football on the field in 2020 and getting a season together. All the twists and turns, the postponements, the cancellations, all of that. We'll hear Bill Moose, uh, a snippet of that. That's going to be uh, released in its entirety tomorrow, but we'll play part of that for you coming up in the third hour. And as always, phone lines and text line opening for you at 531-500-4686. You can call us up on our Sports Nightly Hotline, which is brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. All right, Ben, uh, Tim had it in a ticker. The news of the day was the announcement of three Huskers entering the transfer portal. Kane Warner, Luke McCaffrey, Will Farniak, all leaving the program. Um, the timing's a little odd because the semester began yesterday. Maybe, maybe that factored into it as well. But that they all three are exiting the program. What do you make of this announcement today? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest one, uh, Luke McCaffrey deciding to leave. This has been in the hopper for a while. I think anybody that's been hooked up has kind of heard the rumors and the rumblings and um, I'm a little surprised it took this long, to be honest with you. I, I thought, you know, this was a done deal, you know, a week or so ago. But um, I'm glad the announcement's finally out and, you know, it's it's official and you can kind of close, close the book on that. Um, you know, I think a couple of things with this, um, you know, then you throw in Cade Warner leaving as well. Uh, you, you lose Wandale Robinson, who is – has been kind of in the speaker of your of your program you know with um with all kinds of things that have been happening uh that you know and a playmaker on the field you lose a captain now in Cade Warner um you know a guy who was voted on by his teammates to to be one of the leaders of this football team and then you lose um a guy like Luke McCaffrey who coach Frost you know kind of kind of deemed as as one of the futures of the program was one of his quotes earlier this year he started a couple games and there was never a moment this year no matter who was talking whether it be Scott Frost Matt Lubick Mario Verdusco where one of Adrian Martinez or Luke McCaffrey was mentioned and the other one wasn't mentioned in the same breath I think they really did everything they could to treat those guys as equals to make them feel like one wasn't ahead of the other but ultimately um, you know, you can say that all you want, but only one guy can run out there at a time to take the snap from the center. And I think that the, uh, in this case, the actions um, spoke louder than the words. And Luke probably saw the writing on the wall. Um, and he was in those film rooms. He knew that, that Adrian was, was playing at, at a level that was better than his. And I think, you know, that there are some people out there that are wondering, well, why didn't they just give Luke the ball more? Why didn't they play more at running back or receiver? I don't know that Luke wanted that. I, I don't get the sense that Luke wanted to do that. I think Luke wanted to be a quarterback. And so I think that this was a decision for Luke that's, you know, from his standpoint saying, I know these coaches love me. I have a great relationship with Adrian, but I, I don't want to do, I'm going to go someplace where I'm going to play. And so that, that was kind of the standpoint that I saw. It doesn't make it look any better, but you lose three pretty important pieces to your team um, in the locker room and on the offensive side of the ball. I think that that's given some people some worry. 
on the field, I don't know that it hurts you that badly. I mean, I think Will Farniok was a guy that was pretty far down the depth chart. Um, you know, I don't know how happy he was here all season. And, you know, with Luke, you lose a quarterback depth and a great athlete. Cade Warner is a guy that, um, you know, brought a lot of knowledge to the playbook, but in terms of playmaking ability, just wasn't there this year. He, he didn't contribute at the level that we thought that he would. So on the field, I don't know that it hurts you, but it was from the leadership aspect, from the program representation aspect, this doesn't look too good today. Do you think, in, in a reference to Luke leaving, is it connected at all to Wandale from the standpoint of when Wandale announced he's leaving? Did the, do you think the coaches went to Luke and said, we we got to get you on the field, and you may have to play some wider? Do you think that could have happened in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I think it's definitely possible. And, and look – you know, from Luke's standpoint, you know, he had to have been living in in a cloud to to not hear that from media, from fans, from everybody else about what they thought he should do, what 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 everybody else thought Luke should do. He should do this. He should do that. He should play this. He should play that. When ultimately, I think I think he wants to be a quarterback, and I think that matters to him. And you know, maybe that was the the. You know, a button the coaches pushed that for whatever reason was a wrong button with Luke. And I think I think it was a conscious effort all year by Coach Frost to speak highly of Luke so this didn't happen. I, I think that there was a conscious effort that they wanted Luke to know how, how they thought about him. And it wasn't just, you know, conversations they had in private, but conversations that Coach Frost had with the media too. And, and I think Coach Frost really did believe that, believe what he was saying, but – you know, there was such a conscious effort this year to group Luke and Adrian together and not to say that one was further ahead than the other. I mean, every time that question was asked, the answer was always, we have two quarterbacks that we have a lot of confidence in that, that can move the ball. So I, I, as much as that was said this year about that, I think ultimately what mattered to Luke was his opportunity here or lack thereof. And, you know, him wanting to go try try something else. It's it's just it, the other thing with Luke is it's intriguing that, you know, his brother just happened to transfer from Michigan too, uh, looking for better opportunities up in Ann Arbor. So, you know, that family's having a couple of couple of their guys looking for spots to play now. It's it's just to me to me here I guess the bottom line is this, Greg. This is what I learned today. I learned that no matter who you are, no matter what your coaches or your players or your teammates or your fans think of you, nobody's off limits to a transfer. Right. I mean, I think if if it was just based on who the coaches had the most confidence in, had the most faith in, um, you know, what they could do for their team, we wouldn't be talking about Wandale or Luke leaving. You know, we, we just wouldn't. But through different circumstances from each player, they are. And so that tells me that no matter who's here, there's that's always going to be in the back of my mind that that nobody's off limits. Nobody is going to be untouchable or, or a guy that's just never going to, to, to leave or think about leaving. I, I think it, if anything, it kind of puts us in, puts us in perspective that I, everybody's probably thought about leaving at one point. Not everybody yeah. does it, but you are going to have kids that are 100% all in. You are going to have guys that, that, you know, are true to their commitment and are going to stick it out no matter what the, the results on the scoreboard say or everything else. But to me, there, there isn't a player that's going to sign with Nebraska from here on out, and I'm not going to consider it a possibility that he doesn't end his career here. It's just that, that, that's what it kind of sunk in today. Ben, we are approaching 1,500. 
1,500 names in the transfer portal. Let that sink in a little bit. I mean, there, there are going to be an awful lot of young guys that have no scholarship to get. They're, just, they're not going to be scholarships available for them. So I don't know that all these kids think about that. Speaking of that, with their departures, Nebraska is now at 88 scholarship athletes. And you can sit there and go, well, wait a minute here. You only get 85. Not this year. You get 85 plus the seniors who choose to come back. So Nebraska has a handful of those. So they're fine. They're okay. Even Scott Frost with us last week said he thought he had about three to give. Uh, here in the February period, we already know we got a commitment from a young man from uh, Hawaii who's going to sign with Nebraska next week. And so there's still a couple of more open spots. One of those has to be a quarterback, right? I mean, because with Luke leaving, now you have Logan Smothers. You have the young man from Kearney who signed with Nebraska in December and now on campus, and Adrian. You have three scholarship quarterbacks. That's not enough, right? you got to go find you got to go find a transfer quarterback now to add some depth to that room. Yeah, I did a lot of reading on the transfer portal today just about the numbers and I mean it is absolutely insane. Like it if you want if you want some perspective of just how convoluted the the transfer portal is, 24/7 has a breakout of all the 2021 guys you can sort by anything. Guys, you know, total guys, guys that are committed, uncommitted, by position, whatever you want. Just look at the amount of just go to their website 24/7 sports and look at the uncommitted transfer portal numbers you can go by position i mean there 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 is a stupid amount of players in there like it is absolutely ridiculous how many guys are in that thing and and here's the here's the problem the problem is we have all these variables this year with graduate transfers with covid with coupled with all the other reasons why players want to leave and the, the eligibility freeze, everything. All all of this is, is really just poured gasoline on the fire of a trend that's already been skyrocketing. Greg, here's the problem. You can only sign 25 new players per season. And that is not – that this is, this is on a normal season. So if you think about it, you know, your December signing class, how many players signed their LOIs in December – to take up those 25 spots here at Nebraska, let's just say, you know, Nebraska left a couple, just a couple of spots in December. So you're chewing up. Most schools are chewing up 90 to 95% of those 25 scholarships, 80, we'll call it 80 to 90% of those scholarships by just the incoming freshman in December. Now you're going to throw 1500 names in a transfer portal. Those kids count against that 25 so say you sign 21 in December and February, that gives you four spots, and that's that's probably on the on the on the softer side. side. Yeah, and and so you know the, each let's say there's 120 schools, and every school has five. Right, that's only a third of the transfer portal right now. That 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 leaves over a thousand kids that aren't going to have a place for a scholarship. So before you make that and, – and the article I read today was slanted so toward the players. And, look, I get it. There's a lot of situations where the player needs to move on. It's just not going to work. You know, you know, guys that have given their time, waited three to four years, and you know, something happens at home, whatever it is, and they need to transfer, that's fine. But for those transferring for other reasons that maybe aren't quite as severe, you better understand that there are 
hundreds of other college Division One athletes that are looking for that scholarship as well. So to just give that up in, in hopes that the grass is greener on the other side, there is going to be a harsh, harsh reality until the NCAA adopts this uh, some kind of rule that gives you flexibility on this 25 there's not going to be any room for these guys and i don't know where they're all going to go greg i i just don't i don't know where they all end up there's only so many juco spots left there's only so many division two spots left yeah fcs i mean it's going to be crazy to, to see where these guys go and what you know say a guy transfers because he doesn't want to wait a year to play that, that year of them waiting might turn into two or three years waiting by going to an FCS school, by going to a JUCO, then having to go to a new school, and then going to another crowded room, and then wait another. I mean, just I hope these guys are thinking about their decisions before they're making them because there is another guy, a rock's throw away, that has that same thought process as they do. Absolutely. It, to me, it's unbelievable. It's going to be sad when you have seven, eight hundred maybe more young men who are out of a scholarship. They had it. They had a scholarship to pay for their schooling, and they're going to give it up with the chance that the grass is greener somewhere else. And seven or 800 of them are not going to find somewhere else to put them on scholarships. Delighted to be joined now by Parker Gabriel of the Lincoln Journal-Star. I, I thought you were probably going to be available tonight. I mean, there's so much snow out there, and the roads still aren't great. You probably didn't have anything else to do tonight, did you? No, no, not at all. I... I uh, I spent some time with the shovel in my hand yesterday, as I'm sure a lot of the fine folks in Lincoln did, and some more time today. And but yeah, other than that, it's just pretty much around the house. How's your back? Uh, you know what? It's hanging in there. We'll see. Uh, when I woke up this morning, it was fine. We'll see about tomorrow morning. <laughs> I tell you what, it's kind of a heavy snow. I mean, holy man, 14 inches. I. I... I mean, that's a record for me. We've had some big ones in Lincoln, 11 or 12, but not 14. Man, that was just brutal. Uh, but thanks for coming on with us. We certainly wanted to, to chat with you about your, your uh, Zoom with the, the head coach on Friday. But before we get to that, um, surprised at all by the news today of the three Huskers entering the portal? Yeah, a, a little bit, a little bit. I think, you know, the most surprise regarding Luke McCaffrey, although even then – um, you know, sort of heard things over the past few weeks and all that. Didn't know for sure um, if it, it was going to happen, but it did um, with him entering the transfer portal. And then with the other guys, you know, I don't like. I don't want this to sound, uh, you know, callous or unsympathetic or anything. I think the other two guys mostly about playing time. Like Cade Warner was a captain. I think the coaching staff really appreciated his leadership around around campus and uh, in the program and his playing time also diminished a lot as the season went along uh this past fall and and will farniak was uh down the depth chart a little bit too and you know i mean that's that's sort of the age we're in in college football where if you get to a certain point in your career and you're not you know starting or right in the mix uh, a lot of guys um look for somewhere else to go play did mccaffrey's name come up during your zoom with the head coach on friday yeah, it did. It did. And when we talked to Scott on Friday, you know, he, he didn't want to go too far into, you know, McCaffrey's status in the program at that point. And I think, you know, it became obvious why I don't even at that point, though, you know, I sort of, in, you know, just in talking to other people, too, I know that they were regularly in touch with him, you know, from the end of the season on. And I know that even through the weekend, they were really, you know, there was they weren't quite sure what was going to happen. I mean, they, they were hoping he was going to come back. Maybe, um, you know, he was going to 
take some time away and then come back either for spring ball or, or, you know, later on or whatever. And so I think there were multiple things on the table. Uh, I know that, you know, that they were, they were working hard to try to, to keep him in the fold. And at the end of the day, um, you know, he just, he decided to, to move on, but I, you know, we wrote on Friday afternoon, um, you know, Scott was adamant about Luke's future being at quarterback um, and that he thought he could be a really good one at Nebraska. Um, and I believe that, you know, I mean, that, they gave him the chance to play quarterback all along and, and they were committed to keeping him at that position. And so whatever it was, um, you know, it wasn't that. Again, visiting with Parker Gabriel of the Lincoln Journal star here on sports nightly. He and several other writers had a zoom with the head football coach on Friday. What'd you learn? What, what stood out? Uh, and when you, when you got done with that zoom? Yeah, a, a bunch of things, you know, I thought um, the sort of the, the news, so to speak, that came out of it was something that Matt Lubick um, talked a little bit about or hinted at sort of late in the season, but I thought it was interesting uh, listening to Scott Frost lay out sort of how the play calling role evolved as the season went along and the way in which Matt Lubick um, became more and more involved in that. And, and that really by the end of the season, Lubick, who of course is the offensive coordinator, sort of had the controls um, and Frost had veto power and was on the headset the whole way. But uh, Lubick was really the primary play caller was the way that, that Frost made it sound on Friday and talking with us um, and that he plans on that being the case going forward. Um, as long as he's working with Matt, he really trusts him. Um, and, you know, he, I knew that this was the case, but Scott said, this is the most I've never really given this much control to a coordinator before in five years of being a head coach. And so um, that's a substantial change. And then the other thing that came out of it was just the sort of, you know, feels really good about the 10 assistant coaches plans to go far with them. Of course, that can always, someone could get a job or whatever, but um, he likes where they're at as a staff. And that would mean that probably the special teams, you know, will be an analyst type setup again, depending on exactly how that arrangement shakes out over the next few weeks. Yeah, I think that that surprised some people that when you guys reported that, that that was the direction he was going to go. I maybe even disappointed some people out there as well. Did, did Ron Brown's name come up at all in your Zoom conversation? Ron Brown, the former Husker, longtime assistant coach, has been in charge of player development. Apparently he's being shifted somewhere else. Did that come up in your talk? Yeah, it did. It did. Um, and that was another, I thought it was just really interesting. And, and, you know, we asked, um, Scott Frost, if he had a, if, if, if Ron had a new title yet, and he smiled and said, not beyond, uh, one of coach Frost's heroes. Um, and so obviously there's a lot of respect there. Ron's going to be around. He's going to be involved uh, in the athletic department, in the football department, but, and I think this is, this is in the weeds, but it, it's important and it's become more and more important in college football. I think the guys besides the assistant coaches um, that's really proliferated the, the amount of people that programs have in sort of off field roles and the amount of responsibility that they have sort of within the operation. And um, they're looking for a director of player development who um, is, can handle sort of a, Frost called it an all-encompassing role, um, can be checking on guys at the dorms, can be, um, you know, making sure guys keep up with their academics, can be a resource where if you're just having a tough time with something off the field, 
you know, whether it's um, family or a relationship or school or you're, you're homesick or whatever. I mean, you know, college kids go through a lot. We've seen that over the past year, maybe more than any time in, in recent history. And so they're looking for someone who can sort of be that uh, liaison that can can say to a guy, hey, you know, outside of football, what do you like to do? Like what, what club um, – can I get you linked up with what people do you need to know on campus? That sort of thing. And so um, that's a big job. Uh, That's going to be the person who they hire for that job is going to have the title that Ron Brown used to have, but Ron Brown, I think is still going to be around in some capacity. Yeah, we're visiting with Parker Gabriel, the Lincoln Journal star here on Sports on A, and also a chance to remind you to buckle up and put the phone down, a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. You met with him on Friday, and a winter condition began on Monday. A lot of the guys, most of them, I think, arrived last week to get into back into the protocol and some testing and that type of thing. Does he like this team? What's his feeling about this group as he gets ready to embark on what I think is a pretty big fourth year for him and this staff? Yeah, I think it really is. I think it's a critical, you know, I think it's a critical year. Um, and, and he does. I mean, I, you know, we one of the things that you, you, I came away thinking was um, that he's got a lot of confidence in the way this is going. And I know, like, uh, uh, it's just the way it goes. I mean, when you don't win games, people are always going to be skeptical of pretty much everything. And that's that's fair, I think. But um, he really genuinely um, was excited about is excited about this group and said, you know, told us um, that they had a team meeting, uh, I think probably on, on Thursday, it was sometime right around the time we talked to him. And he said, you know, it's a, it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling group. He really likes sort of where they're at. Um, They've got a really veteran defense. And I think that, you know, coaches always say um, that good teams are led by coaches and great teams are led by players. And, and I think that there's, a sense that especially on defense um, they're sort of getting to that point where it can be really player led. Um, Obviously there's more question marks on offense than than there is on defense, but um, I think, and everyone's going to get this or they're, everyone's not going to. So it's not like an advantage that Nebraska has, but I think that if they get through eight weeks of winter conditioning and a normal spring ball, um, it's going to just sort of feel more normal, like a normal off season, I think would be good for everybody. Challenging schedule ahead too, Parker. I mean, you look yeah, at that thing in the fall, no that's, that's, that's a rough one. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, that trip to Norman, uh, you know, and we'll see, we'll see what happens with Ireland and all of that. But, um, but yeah, going to Norman right away. I mean, Buffalo, uh, even with the talent, a guy like Jared Patterson who left and went to the NFL, uh, you know, Lance Leipold, a lot of people thought maybe he'd get a different job uh, and, and be moving on from Buffalo. That hasn't happened yet at this point in the coaching carousel. And so um, that's no that's no walk in the park as a non-conference uh, game either. And so with those two on the non-conference schedule and then Ohio State and Michigan and uh, Michigan State, uh, you know, that's uh, – yeah, it's uh, it's not – it's certainly not going to be easy. Um, but – you know, it's uh, that's I think why um, there's a sense of urgency even now. And I, I, my sense was that you know Scott thought that he could feel that with his players too, even just getting back after being being sort of on the R and R train for four weeks. Would you anticipate them trying to find a quarterback now in the transfer portal based on the news of today? Yeah, that's a great question. I honestly, I don't know. Um, I think they're sort of right on the line with it. Um, there's a lot of considerations there. Who, 
what kind of quarterback are you talking about? Is it a junior college guy? Is it a, a guy from the portal? Is it another high school player? Um, quarterbacks typically you want to go somewhere where you have a great chance to play that Nebraska has a three-year starter coming back, functionally speaking with Adrian Martinez. Um, at the same time, you know, you are in a situation where you've got three uh, scholarship players now, and Martinez is the only one who's played in the college game. And one of them, uh, Heiner Carberg, is just getting to campus this month. So um, that's a pretty, I don't want to say dicey, but that's about as low as you can go on scholarship numbers, um, you know, and, and feel like you can make it through a season. So they're in a really interesting spot there. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I don't know this, but one option is to go through spring ball and sort of see where Logan Smothers is at. How much progress has he made? How good about how good do you feel about a really young kid um, being the guy if Martinez helmet pops off or if he you know misses a week or whatever? And so um, that could be the deciding factor. They only have two spots, scholarship spots left to use. We think they're in the running for at least one high school player here, you know, before signing day next week. And so um, that's a big time call, and it's one that they sort of have to, they don't have to know who the guy is or exactly what the answer is, but they sort sort of have to know, generally speaking, what approach they're going to take um, in the next few days. Yeah, it'll be interesting to follow. Parker, great stuff. Sure enjoyed what you came out of that meeting with. It was fascinating and, and, and never a dull moment, right? I mean, with, with the news from today, you, you I think we all forget that there's another signing day here, eight days away, yeah. so it uh, keeps us all busy. I appreciate it, Parker. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Have a great week. This is the Nebraska Volleyball Radio Show, right here on the Husker Sports Network. A joust at the net, two-handed over by Nicklin, not down. Three ball back, here come the Huskers. Nicklin, jump set left. Lexi, kaboom, woohoo! 21-16 Nebraska. That, folks, is high-level volleyball. With Husker head volleyball coach, John Cook. Indiana, bump set left. Brianna Edwards, stuff block. Lauren Stiverin, solo job, kaboom, he comes right back. To the Indiana shoot tops, it's 10-5 Nebraska. The Nebraska Radio Volleyball Show is presented by Sarter Heyman Jewelers, your Husker Jewelry Headquarters. Sarter Heyman, the official jeweler of Husker Athletics at SarterHeyman.com. Now here's your host of the Nebraska Volleyball Show, John Baylor. Greetings, Nebraska. Hello. Welcome to your weekly Nebraska Volleyball Show. My name's John Baylor, soon to be joined by... The head coach, my goodness, in his 21st season at Nebraska, and he'll have his 22nd coming this fall. Head coach John Cook momentarily, but let's update you. Not exactly breaking news around here. Huskers are 2-0. By virtue of back-to-back sweeps at Indiana, they're happy to be back home again in Nebraska. Fighting through a 14-and-a-half-inch snowfall here in Lincoln and getting ready for Northwestern. The Cats 2-0. They played Rutgers, so no huge surprise there. And Northwestern swept Rutgers twice. So the Big Red getting ready for weekend number two. This one will be at home Friday and Saturday night, 6 p.m. Central Time, 5.30 airtime on the HSN. Without further delay, let's bring on the head coach, John Cook. Good evening, Coach. How are you? Good, JB. How are you doing? I'm okay. Appreciate your curiosity. But let's get started with a hard-hitting question. 
How Did you are shovel you? snow? That's that's exactly where I was going with the question. Yeah. Say, this is wild. I shoveled twice yesterday, and then at the very end of the night, I had to go out there and shovel a third time. So I guess put it all together. That's three times in one day, and then I had to go use a, a snowblower. I figured out the, how to get the snowblower started this morning. This is wild. Yeah, it's uh, it, but it's beautiful. <laughs> Lincoln looks great. It, you feel it. like you're in a ski town. I love it. Have you done any snow angels? Did you go out to Pioneers and go sledding? So we're like sled town all of a sudden. Yeah. No, I haven't done that, JB. We've been working. Okay. So, yeah. Well, Even though school was canceled, we were still still at it. No problem. The players got in, No, got to got to work today, no problem. Got into the Devaney. Everything went well despite all the drifts. Well, yesterday we moved practice up to the morning. Uh, to avoid the storm. And then this morning, uh, we had uh, my assistant, Jalen, who has a four-wheel drive truck, uh, had to go get a few of our players who were stuck or couldn't get out of their driveways or out their street. So we had to do a reconnaissance mission to to gather all of our players and ended up having to move practice back a little bit uh, from what we originally scheduled to get them all there, get them fed, and then practice. So, how did how did Coach Ray's Jalen Ray's draw the short straw? I mean, you can't any of the rest of you jump in a truck and go try to bring some of the players to work to, to the Devaney Center? Yeah, he volunteered to go. Okay. He had his beanie on and his shorts and <laughs> took off to go get him. So he said his uh, truck could get it done. I said, you know, uh, he's got a Toyota, Toyota pickup truck. I said, you sure about that? And he said, oh yeah, it's great in the snow. My guess is a lot of the players are driving subcompacts. Not ideal for 14 and a half inches of snow. Yeah, we we have a a few that have SUVs, uh, but uh, about half of them don't have four wheel drive or all wheel drive. So they had they had a, it was t- dicey getting them home yesterday, and then getting them getting them here today. We had to work a little bit. Are any of these warm weather? Players who've come from Hawaii and Southern California suddenly having second thoughts about about uh, winters in Nebraska. Hopefully not. Well, they haven't said anything. I think I think everybody kind of it's kind of exciting. It's different. It's beautiful. You know, it's big snow. So you know, it's 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 a novelty that uh, is kind of fun. And it it was beautiful out today. Yeah. All right, now, Coach. Uh, if you could give a letter grade to your opening weekend, the 3-0 Friday night and the 3-0 win on Saturday night over Indiana, what would that letter grade be? Overall? Sure. Well, yeah, probably C. C? You're, yeah. You're not a grade inflator. You're not someone who's, like, throwing around easy grades here and there. No, good, no. Good for you. Good for you. No. you got to earn, earn it. If you're going to get an A, you got to earn it. So well, what would it have taken to to get a C plus? Maybe, you know, single digit uh tallies for Indiana in each game? No, uh I, I'm not looking at the score. I'm looking at uh how we played and um for us to get a higher score we would have needed to pass better, uh less errors. Um and uh we looked at a few balls which uh knocks the grade down fast. I mean, we looked at him that we didn't go for him on defense. And I imagine part of your ex- high expectations is the fact that you've got so much veteran experience out there. You're not anticipating early season communication challenges from this bunch. No, no. But again, they haven't played in 13 months. So you got to, you got to, I mean, I, I guess we got to be a little patient with that. Um, 
But uh, anyway, we just have high expectations and uh, like these guys to meet them. And, and we've been training really well and, and doing really well. So we're, get, we're getting better every day and gotten better every week that we started training. But they haven't played 13 months and, and we had a lot of time off, way too much time off. Well, you have terrific athletes in your background, Kayla Akana and Kenzie uh, Knuckles, Haley Densberg. I mean, these are true athletes. But is is passing and, and digging, uh, you know, correlated with athleticism or sometimes actually by being so muscular and athletic, maybe it makes passing and digging a little tougher? Oh, I don't know why I would do that. But uh... a little more of a touch uh, skill, you know, passing the ball, or, or you know, what, what do you what do you attribute some of the early season challenges in the back row to? Um, I don't know because we've been practicing passing well in practice. Uh, Indiana did serve tough, um, so you got to give them some credit. But uh, you know, we settled down. I think it's just nerves mm-hmm. and you know un- uncertainty and. Once that match got going, games two and three, and same thing in the first night, uh, we settled down, played pretty good volleyball, and we hit over 400 in games two and three in match one, and hit pretty well in games two and well in games uh, one and two, and then game three was just kind of ugly on both sides. Neither team hit well, but you know I think we beat them pretty bad that game. So uh, we blocked a lot of balls. So anyway, it's. You know, they got to learn how to play two day, two nights in a row hard and be focused. That's something that's new. And um, so it'll be interesting to see how this weekend goes. Kayla Caffey seemed to give you a really nice contribution on Friday night, Friday night, excuse me, and then she did not play on Saturday night. What can you tell us about her availability each weekend for now? Well, she's she's good. We just went into that. We wanted to. You know, we we had a very close competition at Middle Blocker, and you got to throw Kayla Meyer in there as well. And so we just went in with the intention that we were going to, you know, play play Kayla and then Callie this weekend. So it was kind of a predetermined thing that we would go in, and that's what we wanted to do and, and just kind of see how Callie had a great blocking night. Kayla had a great offensive night. So maybe we could combine them and... <laughs> and create one medal out of that 21 years four titles and two national coach of the year awards let's go to mark in omaha mark greetings you're first up on our nebraska volleyball show hello mark oh hello thank you uh, coach i was wondering you know we have an abundance of middle blockers and a little bit of outside hitter and i was wondering if you're doing any cross training of a middle specifically that phenomenal athlete kaylin meyer to play on the outside if we get into a depth problem, especially with COVID? Uh, no, we're not. <laughs> so, uh, we, you know, we only had so much time to train them in their own positions. And, uh, you know, I guess that would be a, a bridge we'd have to cross if we get to it. Uh, hopefully we won't have to, but um, no, we're, we're just trying to get those guys really good in their positions. And, um, and, uh, you know, go with what we got. Thanks, Mark. So basically, coaches, Riley Zoon basically the only player who's uh, training at multiple positions? Yes. <clears throat> She's training both on the left and the right side. So we have four outs- four outside hitters and we have four middles. And um, so that's uh, that's what we got. How are the uh, freshmen in uh, this spring, the ones that are with you and, and, and available, are they competing in practice hard? 
Oh yeah, they're all doing great, and uh, yeah, our our uh, our our level of play all the way through our 14 players right now is really good. I mean, there's it's very hard to win drills in our gym, whatever side you're on, and it's very competitive and level's been really high. So it's it's a good situation, you know. And and to answer Mark's question, you know the. We have to be careful of if if you, if you start losing players to COVID, you just, you don't want it to get to the point where you've got people playing out of position and it's just it's not fair to them. It's dangerous. It's uh, uh, you know the quality is not going to be good. So at some point, you know, you you just you know if you don't have enough people, you, you just can't play. Who decides, Coach, if Nebraska will play on a certain weekend? Is it just subjective and, and you decide, or is there a certain number of players uh, below which you cannot play and above which you have to play? Yeah, I think I think it's a combination of talking with uh, whoever we're, you know, whatever teams are going to play, um, and uh, coach's discretion. I think there's, you know, how many bodies you have. I'm sure the Big Ten gets involved. So, uh, but right now, Michigan, Penn State are both shut down for a couple of weeks. So I know their opponents this weekend are now going to play, which I think is Ohio State, Michigan State. So they're going to, they were supposed to play those two teams. Mm. Now they're going to play each other. So at least the Big Ten's trying to get, you know, if, if you can play, you get a chance to play. Uh, it might be different if just one team's out, but the fact that both those teams are out, uh, you know, open that door there. So that, that's good. So you got some flexibility, at least in, in this sport. They're 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 letting you find opponents. I guess as long as they're in the same conference. If you if you otherwise don't have an opponent to play that weekend, right, right. So I think the Big Ten made that move. Now, will they make up their matches against uh, you know Ohio State and Michigan State uh, later? That will be interesting to see. They you know they still have to make up their matches. So I don't know how at some point it's going to you know come around again. So it'll be interesting to see uh, see what happens there and how that works. So I, I really don't know. Have you got a feel yet how playing the same opponent back-to-back nights affects the, the level of play and the outcomes? Because we really didn't see any variation. I mean, we didn't see any splits, at, at least in, in the conference. Is, it, is the second night almost a, a repeat of the first, or do you think ultimately we'll start seeing uh, splits and, and one team winning one and one night and the other the other? Yeah, I think I think you're going to see. I mean, Ohio State went five, fifteen, thirteen, and fifteen, twelve beat Maryland. I mean, you can't get any closer than that. Mm. Maybe by one point, another fifteen, thirteen. Um, so that was very competitive. Ohio State pulled it out, um, but I think you will start seeing some splits. I just think everybody's, you know, trying to get going, and um, but. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, I'm predicting because I, when I watched in the fall, there was a lot of splits for for teams. Mm. So um, you know, somebody win the first night and then lose the second night. Here's an example: Washington got beat by Arizona State three zero the first night at home, and then turned around and I think beat them in four the next night or four or five. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But I think I, you know, it's probably going to depend on your depth. And, uh, you, you know, how experienced a team you have, how mentally can they get up two nights in a row. So there's a, there's a 
lot of go, that goes into it. 531-500-4686. If you'd like to talk to the head coach, John Cook, on your Nebraska Volleyball Show each week, Tuesday from 7 until 8. Well, an exciting moment occurred late in the first, uh, first match, set three, Friday night against Indiana, when Lauren Stiverin's, uh debuted not just in the back row she's done that before at least serving but she actually was set in the back row is that something you think can evolve and, they, and Lauren Stiverin can take all that power and and also become a threat in the back row we're we're working on it and it's certainly an option uh she's pretty good at it um she took a really nice swing so but if, if we're going to have her in there you know we, we might as well use her as a hitting option whether she's front row or back row so uh, something we keep developing, and, and we'll, we'll see where it goes. But, you know, for her to get in there, she's got to be a great server and be able to dig the ball, which, you know, she's, she's, a, she's a good athlete, and um, she is actually pretty good on defense um, for not playing it all the time. Yeah, I love it when she gets a big dig and the, and the whole team goes crazy. But she's had a few yeah. big ones in, in the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah, she can dig. We put her out there in practice, and – um, yeah, she's pretty good. Like, I mean, she's an athlete. Would you keep her in for longer than just her serve? Like, let her stay a couple rotations so she can she can hit from back there? No, because well, that, that's an interesting point. But we got to pass the ball first, so um, oh. that's tough. But man, I, you know, if that was two thousand, that she would be playing all the way around, just like Jenny Crop. Is Jenny Crop the last Husker middle to play all the way around? I think so. Man, she was great. And she had a great Final Four, and, yeah, it was, that was pretty good. The pride of Grand Island Central Catholic, Jenny Crop, who then went on for years to be a professional player. Did opposing teams target her? I mean, a middle blocker passing and playing back row, three rotations? Well, I think if I remember, we kept her out of passing and okay. just had her play defense back there, and then she would hit out of the back row. She had a couple big kills in the semis against Hawaii, uh, and um, – but you know, and she went on to have a great beach career. So that just shows you shows you what kind of, what kind of volleyball player she is. Is is everything going okay there, Coach? There's like a, there's a, a yeah, huge. That's, that's my Irish Wolfhound saying, like, when do we get to go? What well, I play thought, in the snow. He's ready to go. He's not happy about this lengthy conversation you're having right now. He no, likes the short calls. No, he's, he's not. He's uh, he's like, let's go. I'm uh, tired of waiting. Are, you... Waiting all day, and now I have to wait some more. So. <laughs> He's calling the pack out there. We're coming out. Is is he solo now, or does he have a buddy who's another wolfhound at your place? Yeah, he's he's solo mm. now. But you know, we got where we live. There's foxes out here and coyotes, and you know, so he, he goes out there, and there's some serious smell smelling going on. He, what, what's been out there in the backyard in the area? How much howling does he do? Like three in the morning, just kaboom, he's out there howling, and and you just wake up and. He usually does one in the morning, let okay. everybody know it's time to get up. Sure. And then he, does, he, has, he usually has one at night. He'll save on an alarm clock. Yeah. Well, he, we've got another half hour, so I'm hoping we get one more uh, before this one's <laughs> up. But you mentioned Jenny Krupp hiding uh, on server receive. Could we do that also with Lawrence Stevens? Just uh, take her out of server receive and pass with two? Uh, possibly. We, we haven't worked on it, but, you know, it's something uh, – yeah, that's a good question. You know, it's just it's just hard now with the sub rules. You know, you really don't. Nobody really tries to develop their middles to be all around players. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, that would be something interesting if uh, potentially, uh, you know, if Lauren decides to stay, um, 
that, next fall. That could be a carrot. Yeah. Just put that perk yeah. out there. Stick around. Boom. We'll make you into a six rotation player all the time. That would be a big perk. I, w- I would love to mess What's, with that. You know, and she'd have to work in the summer and, you know, obviously get get some training and reps on that in the summer. And But that would be an interesting uh, thing to develop. Is this a formal announcement you're making right now to Husker Nation? That <laughs> No. I don't know what she wants to do, but okay. – uh, but that would be that would be something to throw out for her, you know, to keep her motivated, to keep her working, to keep her interested. I just like breaking stories on this show. But that would be a pretty yeah. good good story. Yeah. Maybe next week we'll have more info on Lauren's possible return, <laughs> if uh, and only if she becomes a six rotation player. But you, the the program historically, coach has been called setter you, and I for some reason it's not called that as often these days. I think it should be. But I'm thinking you should be back row you because you set the back row. I would argue more than any other program. And this past weekend with Lexi's son and Maddie Kuba getting so many swings in the back row and so many kills, not only do you set the back row, you, you effectively finish and, and, and score points from back there. I'm just wondering why then would it be so much trickier with Lauren? Or is it, is it a whole different thing turning a middle and giving her rotation and spot in the rotation than making your outsides back row attackers? Well, if you're so, you have two choices as a coach. You you play your outside hitters all the way around, and so if you do that, then you can set them on that back row set, which we call a pipe or a bick. Um, otherwise, you sub somebody in there for them that can't hit, or or you don't want to set. You know, typically that's a DS. So, I mean, we could do that. We have DSs. We could sub them in there. Uh, so. But by having them in there, what it does is it, it keeps the block a little more honest. They can't gang up on a Lauren or a Lexi, for example, if you have that threat of that attack coming down the middle. Now, you got to be able to kill it. And this weekend, you'll see Northwestern sets uh, Thomas a lot uh, out of the back row. So we may not be the most uh, that you've seen, maybe what you've seen, but there's mm-hmm. a, some other teams that are setting a lot of back row and um, so I think you'll continue to see more of that, but uh, but it's only for people that are not going to get subbed out. And unfortunately, with our sub rules, everybody subs those outside hitters out. I think it helps us in recruiting because we tell them like we're going to we're going to develop you as a six rotation outside hitter because if you want to go on to play in the Olympics or play professionally, you got to remember the international rules only allow six substitutions. So everybody has to be an all-around player, and th- there is no none of this, you know, subbing somebody out three times around, uh, and you know, only being a front row specialist and then a back row specialist. So if you want to prepare for internationally, they got to be able to do that, and 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 I think Nebraska, I, I think that's where we've done a better job than anybody in in the United States and any program of developing six rotation outside hitters. Uh, all you have to do is look at look at the Olympic team. Mm. Three Huskers. Why, Coach, do you think the NCAA is so permissive with the number of substitutions allowed per game, just to allow more players and more back row specialists and front row players, just more more athletes get involved? It, it makes no sense to me, John. I don't know why we have to be different than the rest of the world, but uh, I think it stems from you know giving more people a chance to get in the game. But what you do is you – you know, like a Lauren Stivers, maybe if she would have played in high school and club all the way around, maybe she is a, a six rotation middle. But I mean, those are dinosaurs anymore. You never, you, ne- you never see them anymore. But how exciting would that be if Lauren was a 
Yeah. You know, six rotation middle going around. I mean, that'd be the buzz on TV, and it would be pretty cool. And also, I, I think it, I, it. Sorry, coach, go ahead. I just, you know, you got my wheels spinning a little bit potentially here. That would be pretty something pretty cool to, to develop in her. Um, you know, so uh, yeah, I got to think more about that. And also, I think it's perplexing to, to novices to the sport when they see your best player, at least your most impressive athlete, let's put it that way, checking out half the time. Like in what sport do you, does your most impressive athlete check out half the time, uh, unless it's football where you, you, know, you have two separate squads effectively? Right. Well, it was, uh, you know, that was the, I talked about it that a lot when, you know, they keep adding substitution, subs to all these new rules. But if you remember in 2006, when we played UCLA in the semis, um, there, it was a very close match. They were, you know, great team. And do you remember the middle that, uh, been, I just, I'm racking my brain. I know exactly what you're oh, talking about. Oh, gosh, it's driving. I'm thinking of Destiny Hooker when we played Texas her freshman year. She had 21 kills. I think it was 04. And she only played half the time. And you won the match because she rotated to the back row late in set five and the Huskers prevailed. We think them up. We count them down. It's Top 10 Tuesdays on Sports Nightly. Well, all of us here at the network's been having to deal with this monster snowstorm the last couple of days. We thought we'd have some fun tonight. Talk about the top ten things you can do with snow. And this, this I'm sure, took Ben and Tim, you guys, back to your youth, your youthful days when you would get snow days off from school and just go wreak havoc around the neighborhood. I'm Greg. I'm still in my youth. Thank you very much. I'm a youthful 25 and uh, sticking to it. Mine's a weird situation because it's a combination of what I love to do when I was younger, but also what I'm kind of looking forward to do uh, with my little girl who's, you know, not even walking yet. But uh, so it's it kind of a weird mixture for me. But, yeah, I mean, the snowstorm, it's its kept me hunkered down in my house. This is such a unique feeling not being able to, to go anywhere from my basement. It's not like I've been doing this since March 13th of last year or anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Well, I came up with it, so I'm going to lead us off if you boys don't have an objection to that. My number 10, you can paint it, right? Go get some spray paint and paint some of that snow a little bit. I did that a time or two when I was young. I haven't done that in quite a while, but I remember that I did do that a time or two when I was young. So you can paint the snow. That's something you can do with the snow. How did that work without, like, getting footprints all over it? No, you put it, you know, in some part of your yard or something, and you, know, you didn't worry about it. Then when it melted, it just melted away. It's gone. Yeah. I was never that artsy, I'm afraid. Did not mess with the colors at all. All right. Shocked. I'll, I'll, bat, I'll bat second tonight. Uh, my number 10 is something that's probably a little higher on your list, and perhaps this would be higher again, you know, if, if this is something that I get to do in a few years uh, with my little one, this, this probably is more enjoyable, but building a snowman, number 10, never really moved the needle much for me, but uh, you know, it's kind of a staple. It's one of the first things you think to do when, when you get that great packing snow out, out in your front or backyard. It's also a uh, intolerable frozen song that is now stuck on my head. So thanks, Ben. Uh, You're welcome. I've got uh, my number 10, and this is probably higher on your guys' list, but I'll explain why it's this low on mine. Uh, snowball fighting. That's my number 10. It's a list that has to be included on an activity or on, on snow activities. However, there was always that person, you know, on the schoolyard or in the neighborhood who would pelt you with like an ice ball 
And, you know, it, it was basically like, uh, you know, these things would escalate often into uh, someone would always be crying at the end of the day. I mean, oh, it, sure. it, didn't, it didn't really matter. I mean, there was never really like a, a such thing as a happy-go-lucky snowball fight. Whenever you see that in like a children's cartoon, everyone's laughing. But no, the, the snowball fights I seem to involve myself in always kind of escalated into a territory where someone was either going to go home bleeding or, or crying. And so that is why... It's a little bit lower on my list uh, than I anticipated uh, I would, but you know it has to be on there because hey, uh, pelting someone in the face with a snowball still has its uh, still has its joys. <laughs> doesn't doesn't surprise me at all that something Tim was involved with uh, some type of altercation with other children <laughs> would escalate into anything. Yeah, right. Yep, Very surprising. Right. All right, my number nine is make footprints. Go out there and you know just kind of jump around and see how far you can go with, between your footprints. Uh, so making footprints, my number nine. All right, my number nine, again, something that I love to do as a kid, but uh, really right now just can't put it any higher than nine. It's probably the first or second thing you think of when you when you think of activities to do in the snow. That's sledding. Um, I think if the circumstances are right, you have the right equipment, you have the right hill, you're with the right people, this is worthy of a higher spot than nine. But a lot of times you're just trying to make do with a – plastic sled that's dented the hill's not great you don't have a, a good sled path and uh, you end up with a bunch of snow you know in your sleeves and and down your uh, down the the neck of your coat and it's just you know there, there are there are better times to be had again maybe maybe higher here in a little while with uh, with the little one but sledding can't get any higher than nine for me Oh, geez, okay. Well, my number nine, I've got the snow day rituals. Some kids probably pulling these out tonight, uh, flushing ice cubes down the toilet, turning your PJs inside out, or tucking a spoon under the pillow. I'm not really sure the history on, on all those rituals, but uh, I know a, a handful of times I uh, I pulled out all the stops trying to uh, get out of school uh, for to get that snow day. Of course, I also was the kid that would pretend he had a cough or a fever or whatever when he <laughs> wanted, to, wanted to get out of school. I know that would probably shock the both of you. Um, but that is uh, my number nine is those rituals you would do to, to try and get a snow day called. Is there good. a worse feeling in the planet than the forecast calling for snow and ice and you've had it set in your mind at 8 o'clock at night that you're not having school and you wake up at seven, you're going to school, like thinking the whole day, that whole night that you're going to have the whole day off. You're worrying about what you're going to do with the snow day, how you're going to get to your friend's house. And nope, instead you're waking up going to school. That, that was just the worst feeling. Yeah, ever. gut punch. Nope. No doubt. All right, again, we're talking about the top ten things to do with snow. Uh, my number eight, go skiing. I haven't done this in years. Had a blast when I did. Uh, wouldn't mind going to do it again. It's just, you know, it's a trip to get out to Colorado and do some real skiing out in the Rockies, but a lot of people love to do that. So going skiing, my number eight. All right. My number eight definitely would have found its way probably 56 or 57th on my list as a kid. But, uh, now that I'm an adult and I've got other uh, obligations in the house, especially, like I said, living in quarantine, this has definitely found its way on my list. I've got snow blowing at number eight on my list. <laughs> nice way to, th to throw some headphones in, go relax, let the machine do the work. You're outside, you're doing something productive and uh, just a nice, nice activity to do. And, you know, I love it so much or I've been enjoying it so much that I, uh, you know, did, did a couple of the neighbors and, you know, just just nice way to be outside. So. Snow blowing for me, number eight. Snow blowing is for the weak of heart and mind. I was always a shoveler. Jeez. Uh, my, well, the, the parents never uh, bought a snowblower, so I was out scooping the driveway by hand if I had to. 
child abuse change basically. Your life, Tim. <laughs> my my number eight. I've got uh, like winter walks or, or hikes. Um, you know, it, it can. It's obviously very cold out this time of year, but when you have the snow on the ground, the icicles hanging down from the from the trees. Um, and everything seems very still. That that creates kind of a, a nice environment. I know um, uh, on a handful of occasions I, I would uh, walk home from uh, school on days like this and I, I try to take the, the off the beaten path and a, a handful of times I got kind of into snow like the size of my or above my waist and I got in trouble a little bit trying to trying to get myself unstuck out of like a snow drift but no, I've always kind of enjoyed uh kind of going off the beaten path a little bit and exploring a little when you have all the snow on the ground it can be kind of fun uh but uh definitely had to be careful out there because I I got lost once or twice uh trying to get home from school in the uh in the snow drifts okay all right up to number seven Ben just had this one it's Snow blow it or shovel it. That's something you can do with the snow, and I've done a lot of that in the last 24 hours, unfortunately. It's my number seven. Are you a shovel or a scoop kind of guy? I've heard that debate going on. Both. Both. Um, I've got a I've got a kind of a push scooper thing. You know, if you get an inch or two, just push it. Uh, But I also have a bigger one that, you know, if it it takes more than that and you got a shovel, I'll do that as well. There you have it. All right, all right. On to number seven for me. This is, a, again, a childhood favorite of mine. We had uh, on the side of our house always there was a, like a sizable snow drift based on how our house sat. And so one of the first things we'd always do is build a snow fort, build a nice little tunnel in there. You had the drift to help provide the ceiling. You just had to dig a little tunnel, building a snow fort. Our, our neighbor kids were doing out there doing that today and, and, uh, and brought me back. So building a snow fort for me, number seven. My number seven, I've got, uh, believe it or not, ice skating. I know uh, last time, um, actually I actually haven't done it in a while, Ben uh, bullied me and tried to get me to ice Jeez. skate in Rockefeller uh, Plaza when we were in uh, NYC in the before times for that Rutgers game. I was not having it because there were too many tourists. Uh, way too, The long was insanely long, uh, and I don't know why Ben thought that we were going to be able to, to take advantage of the uh, skating rink there in Rockefeller. But that being said, a nice, uh, a, a nice day, you know, uh, or in an indoor environment. Ice skating can be pretty fun. I'm not very good at it. There's lots of uh, tripping and falling, but, um, you know, when you stay on your feet, ice skating is pretty good. So that's my number seven. I know a lot okay, of a people miss things- here. <laughs> Go ahead, Ben. A <laughs> couple things on this story. Number one, uh, Tim, you're welcome for even getting you to the city. He, <laughs> t- Tim, was, Tim, Tim was ready to shut her down about 7 o'clock. And had never been to New York before, and so I'm like, "You've never been to New York, and you're you're gonna go nighty night at eight o'clock, seven o'clock. This isn't gonna happen." With the, like so, probably a night game coming up the next day, right? Oh, yeah, yeah we like had plenty of time, plenty of time to get ready the next day. So convinced him to go out to the city, and yeah, and how Tim, how dare I try and give you a life experience by <laughs> ice skating at Rockefeller Center? How many how many people can say that they've had the opportunity to do that? And and by the way, the the line to wait was about 20 minutes and it wasn't the the wait time that was the deterring factor for you um it was the cost the, the cost it, yeah. it was it was quite pricey to do that but how many times can you say you you ice skated in rockefeller center i know tim and i can't say we have thanks to one <laughs> of us fair enough fair enough i was the uh the scrooge or the the grinch who stole christmas on that day i guess whatever but <laughs> it was fun very good all right, up to number six. I'm following Ben. I've I got build a fort here. I mean, in fact, my, one of my daughters did that about a week or so ago with one of the storms that came through and looked kind of fun. So build a fort with the snow. 
Very good. All right, my number six is something that I've gotten to do a few times, both with my sisters and my own. That's play with your dog in the snow. If you've got a dog that loves the snow, is there a more enjoyable feeling than watching them just go absolutely ham in the snow? And I've got a a little black golden doodle, and so you you can see her war wounds rather easily with the white snow she's usually caked in it uh when she comes in but there's nothing that that gives you pleasure like uh watching a dog roll around in the snow just uh, as happy as can be uh my number six it's something i've only done once but i'd be willing to do it again i've got ice fishing on here i I got a buddy that's really into fishing and so you, you he's got that that utensil or tool or whatever you call it where you have to dig into the ice and you sort that cutting those holes are actually kind of fun so you first you got to cut your hole you feel like you're basically like a rugged kind of neanderthal mountain man when you're ice fishing and uh i I do believe i caught something it was not a very large fish Uh, i don't think it would have won me any prizes but uh uh, if you can stand the cold and you can get one of those tent things uh it's a lot of fun but you do have to be careful because you know if if that ice ain't thick uh, you're going to go right through there, and that's not a fun time. So be careful if you're ice fishing, but uh, definitely something worth trying even if you're not a big fisher because I'm not, but I, I still had fun. Very good. All right, we're halfway through our list of top ten things to do with snow. We can remind you, too, to buckle up and put the phone down. A reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. All right, my number five, Tim had it earlier, make snowballs, getting a little snowball fight. That's a lot of fun. Everybody's done that at some point in time in there day and age so making snowballs my number five all right my top five uh sorry mom dad if you're listening this this is probably not something any parents proud of but something we used to do in high school um you know at night when all the cars were out of the parking lot you just go spin cookies in your car oh baby you'd get the you get that huge open parking lot just make sure that you know only one person is going at a time my sister had this little sunfire that weighed about six pounds, and so that thing would just spin. You'd rip the e-brake, and that thing would just spin around like a top on the ice. Absolutely uh, a blast to do, but make sure you only do that if, if you're in safe confines and obviously not if there's any traffic around. But if you're in the right area and you're with the right people, there's, there is nothing better than ripping cookies in a parking lot. Or, or spinning donuts. If Tim, and Tim's probably not, not sure what we're talking about here is where you spin your car around a little bit. <laughs> I will have you know, uh, in my youth, I, I, made a, I may have uh, done, still in your ripped youth. a donut uh, once or twice. Actually, did that in Colorado uh, near Red Rocks. Anyway, that's another story for another time. My number five, I've got uh, drinking hot chocolate and watching a movie, which is something you, you can technically do uh, any time of the year. And maybe maybe I do. Uh, but there's nothing kind of better when you have a lot of snow, like a night like this. Lots of snow on the ground. You're probably not going anywhere. Uh, and you kind of settle in, hunker down, and watch something like The Thing. Or, as I was telling Greg yesterday, I, I felt like I was uh, Jack Nicholson in The Shining because I had to hunker down here at uh, HSN World Headquarters because, you know, I wasn't going anywhere last night. My... Uh, my little, uh, my little engine that could, my car was not going to be able to make it on these roads. So I kind of felt like I was going, <laughs> going insane, you know, walking around these, this eerie, empty office. I slept on the couch last night, but it was kind of fun. It was like a little sleepover of one. Um, and so, yeah, if you, if you have a chance to get some hot cocoa, if you will, and watch a movie, uh, it's a good time to you know, do it. Had a little bit of that yesterday, no doubt. All right, my number four has been mentioned as well, sledding or snowboarding. Um, it's fun, and Ben, it may change when Kennedy gets old enough and you're out there showing her how to do it. You may, you may change your, your tune on that. It's, it's still a blast even at a, an advanced age. Yeah, I, I, I would anticipate that creeping up a few notches on my list. 
my number four, and to be honest with you, I'm a little little surprised um, that it, that it was there. I've only done it once or twice, and I, it was something that I really wish I could have gotten into more. But snowboarding, I only done it did it a few times, and uh, one of the times that I did it was uh, over a place in Iowa with one of my good friends who actually just recently passed away. It's one of my favorite memories to do. But I mean, I w- you, you wish you could. I had the talent, I suppose, to do it better than I did, but had a lot of fun doing it. Wish I did it more as a kid, and I still have some buddies that go out to Colorado and uh, get a lodge and and go snowboarding every year, but uh, still a lot of fun to do. Wish I got to do it more. My number four, uh, Greg, you already had it, and Ben, it's a similar vein as yours. Uh, I've got skiing. That's what I, I go to Mount Crescent every once in a while to, you know, hit the slopes, if you will. I'm not very good. I can kind of go, uh, you know, half speed down if, <laughs> if I'm going too fast. If you really straighten those skis out, uh, you start flying and I get a little scared. But uh, I can't snowboard. I never really got that down. I've always tried skateboarding when I was a kid. That was also difficult. But skiing, I, I, I was, I'm kind of close to getting the hang of it. It's difficult. I'm not going to be able to, to, you know, hit the Olympics anytime soon or rip in those, you know, black diamonds or whatever they call them. Uh, but, you know, if you, if you get the hang of it, skiing's pretty fun. That's my number four. Okay. Very good. My number three has not been mentioned, but probably has happened to most of our audience in the last 24 hours. What to do with snow? You curse it. Some of my favorite, some of my favorite gifts are those of guys who are smashing their shovel on the driveway and stuff like that. <laughs> um, the worst is when you have the uh, that little chunk of ice uh, stuck to your driveway that you're trying to get up with your shovel and it's just not working. You're ready to just go take an axe to it or something. Yeah. All right, my number three mentioned by both of you. Surprise, it's as low as it was. Snowball fights. I mean. There was nothing better than getting a group together, you know, putting putting the army tactics together, the flanks, the you had you had the you always had the the snowball builder like an elf, the snowball builder and the snowball thrower. Um, he, Tim's right. A lot of times it ended in, in blood and t- blood and tears. I remember one time we we're in our backyard having a snowball fight, and one of my friends put a rock in a snowball and hit me in the arm, and the thing bruised for like two weeks. Uh, snowball fighting to me just just iconic, and I, I would love I'd love to do it again sometime. There you go. Uh, my number three, Ben. You already had it. Uh, building an igloo or, or building a snow fort. Uh, those are fun. When you get that, build that structure, and you can keep that thing uh, up. Actually, you can actually build like a like a actual igloo with structural integrity. That was a sweet spot. You can crawl around there. Also, making kind of like a tunnel system. Uh, those are actually sometimes more fun than, than than snowman because you know there's a little bit more to it. Uh, so that's my my number three is uh, building a snow fort or building an igloo. Okay, very good. Number nine, number two uh, is make a snow angel. I mean, who has it just fallen down into the snow and you kick your arms and your legs and get them up and down? I mean, you you see everybody does that at some point in time in their life. So make a snow angel. My number two. My number two was just the best, and I, I, I if we could do it tomorrow, I I would totally do it tomorrow. Snow football. You'd get your your, uh, your your winter gear on, and you could play tackle. You didn't have to worry about anybody getting hurt because there was snow out there. You had all the padding with your coats and everything on. Probably got rather physical out there, but you know everyone's kind of running in slow motion at the same speed, so not really one person had the advantage. Snow football, to me, my favorite snow activity to do as a child. My number two, I've got Love it. Snowman building, of course, the uh, which I actually uh, I think decorating it was always more fun because to, to get those you know 
uh, balls in perfect shape and roll them on top of one another. It takes a lot more work uh, than one might think. Um, but there's always that that snowman when you're driving around the neighborhood where the sun's been out for a few days. It's beaten down in the snow. It's all melted. And there's always that one snowman that's like h- halfway melted, but is still holding strong. Those are kind of fun to see those uh, for a few days and, and, and all the decorations that go on and with all the accessories and stuff. Uh, they're fun. They're probably a little bit more work uh, than, than I was willing to put into them most of the time. But my number two, snowman building. That's my number one. I mean, come on. That's one of the first things you learn to do as a kid is go out there in the yard and make yourself a snowman. So that's my number one. My number one, only uh, only something I did one time, but I had an absolute blast doing it. Wish I uh, we were in the area to where it was prudent to have one of these machines, but snowmobile. I mean, you can just whip those oh, things around. Yeah. You can get high speeds and... Riding on top of that snow, it was all, I had an absolute blast. I wish I you know, had the opportunity to do that more, and especially now at my age when snow football is probably not on the table. Get me a machine that rides around on top of it. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. There you go. I've done the Wave Runner, no, no snowmobiling, though. I'll have to try that one point. Uh, my number one, though, I've got the, the next best thing, and that is sledding. Uh, I was a sledding machine, uh, if you will, uh, when I was a kid. I, we had this, like, ancient toboggan that I'd whip out every once in a while, that thing could, could go. Uh, that was, was probably like some liability or insurance risk. That thing was insane. You could, you could fly down, uh, hills and, and there's a bunch of different, uh, tactics you could use to, you know, grease up the bottom of one of those like tin, uh, or iron sleds and, and, and go down the hill. It, it was always good time. Uh, got hurt probably more than more than once or twice uh, trying to you know, smash into a tree or something. Uh, there, were, there were some times where you did go home in tears or blood or whatever, but uh, it was always a blast. <laughs> Slutting my number one. Tim, what did you do uh, as a kid? Like, geez, I mean, a I lot of like blood every positive experience. <laughs> yeah, every every positive experience you had ended in blood and tears. <laughs> you know, they say it's uh, it's all about building adversity, right? You know, it's just uh, it's one of those things you got to go through as a kid. <laughs> oh, yes. that's fantastic. That's fantastic. All right, good list. Well, we had some fun with that tonight. We were Ben and I were talking earlier today. Time for us to kind of just do a fun one instead of trying to get too uh too uh, involved with the top ten list with all the snow we've had in the Lincoln Omaha areas. We thought we could j- dive into that here tonight.